values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. You know, it used to be when this song played, everybody did the dance that uh, that, that that was done in the movie Staying Alive. This song was such a big one from Saturday Night Fever, I should say. Now you do CPR. Now you can't help but do the CPR pumps because remember the... the anyway, uh, thanks for being here. I'm in New York City, and uh, I'm here for three days, so it, it's fun to be in the, in the Big Apple. I'm doing three days on CNN, um, so it should be a lot of fun. I like doing the show with Allison Camerata, and it's a privilege to kind of be able to have, let them hear some different voices that are normally on that network. We'll see how it's received tonight. Um, 35 people detained by officers at a police training center under development outside of Atlanta. Um, the clashes erupted in the late afternoon and were punctuated by a few fires and the sound of firecrackers. Police alleged in a Sunday night statement that a group of outside agitators showed up, changed into black clothing, and mounted a coordinated attack on construction equipment and police officers. They threw large rocks, bricks, Molotov cocktails, and fireworks at police officers. Part of the attack focused on the area under construction. So I want to, I'm going to get to the end of this story in a moment and skip to the end. But um, isn't it interesting that uh, if this were you, I, I just would like you to think about what you would do. You are somewhere, you're at an event, you're out in a park, you and a group of people, whatever your group is, you're out doing your thing, whatever happens to be going on there. And all of a sudden, a pe- group of people show up, change into black clothing and start throwing rocks and Molotov cocktails at you. How would you respond? Well, here's how the police responded. Officers exercised restraint and used non-lethal enforcement to conduct arrest, conduct arrests, according to the police. They also said that the uh, demonstrators could have caused bodily harm. I bring this up because we have this conversation about crime and what we end up doing all of the time is we generalize everybody. We put everybody into the same camp. A person that is capable of taking a human life is different than the average person. The average predator that is out there, uh, we talked last week, I was outraged at the story in Arizona about the – uh, the stealing of baby formula during the baby formula shortage because they knew there was a shortage and they could make big money. Uh, who thinks of those things? Who thinks, oh my gosh, there's a shortage of baby formula. Let's steal a bunch of it, make the problem worse, and we can make a lot of money off of that. Reasonable people try to help those in trouble. They don't use it as an opportunity to prey upon them. But we are looking at a a situation in our country that's getting worse because people are not listening. I want to go back to something I played earlier, um, and that's because the Biden administration is saying that they don't like the D.C. crime change, the crime law in D.C. that is reducing punishments for criminals. But Mayor Adams, I'm in New York for three days, so Mayor Adams of New York was talking about this very issue about public safety and how people want to feel safe. And he made some pretty interesting comments. Now, again, he is someone that is a very liberal Democratic mayor, but this is one of those issues I've said for a long time. It's not right and left. It's right and wrong. And this mayor sounds a lot like somebody I would stand shoulder to shoulder to when it comes to public safety. Listen to this. 
Well, I think all of our big cities, I like to say we have three parties, um, Democrat, Republicans and mayors. Uh, mayors, we are closer, we're the closest to the problems. And I stated on the campaign trail and in the city, public safety is a prerequisite to prosperity. Same in Chicago, like New York and many of our big cities across America. That is why we're zero focus, double digit decrease in shootings, double digit decrease uh, in homicides. We, we have witnessed this year, uh, particularly the month of February, all of our index crimes are low, low for the entire year. We are focused on public safety because people want to be safe. They don't feel safe and they are actually safe, then you're going to lose control of your city. Well, and see, you're hearing now what a complete shift from the last mayor that New York had, who was far left as well. And uh, the police were turning their backs on the previous mayor and some of the things that were said. So when you look at this, uh, here's another thing. The FBI read gun retrieval orders from failed background checks hits a historic high because of a report. Now, it's a little bit of a of of. of um, a false narrative in this way. The percentages of this are down like 1.5% total. There have been so many people that are getting permits or going out and passing background checks or doing the background checks to get firearms that we're seeing a huge uptick in that. Only about 1.5% of people in these background checks processed in 2020 received a final transaction status of deny with 1.26% receiving a final status of deny in 2021. So it's still a very small percentage, but you're seeing thousands of people that are being turned down for firearms and in the background check, they are then having those firearms taken away from them by the FBI. New data compiled by the FBI shows a historic high number of gun retrievals ordered as a result of failed background checks between 2020 and 2021, with more orders being issued in the history of the federal firearm background check system. So are we improving the system finally? Because we keep having this conversation about coming after my guns. I've done everything the right way. Uh, Again, my whole life. You know, I own firearms. I carry firearms. Uh, all of those things, but I do it the right way. Why do you keep coming after me? Why do you keep telling me that I can't have this type of rifle or I can't have that type of rifle? Well, you don't need it. What do you mean I don't need it? I don't know if I need it or I don't need it. It's interesting that the police departments have changed the firearms that are issued to them based on what they are up against in society. Going back to the 1980s, I've told this story before, in South Florida, the FBI agents and other federal agents found themselves up against the cartel members who were armed with semi-automatic weapons, and they were far outgunning the federal agents. Federal agents were issued revolvers as part of their standard equipment. That all changed because they were out. Outgunned. If you think about this, I don't need an AR-15. Why does a state trooper that is uh, on a motorcycle that is running traffic, whether it's DUIs or traffic enforcement on the freeways, why does that officer or that trooper need an AR-15 on his or her motorcycle? Why does any cop need an AR-15? The answer is you don't know. You don't know when or why they're going to need them. Well, as long, and I will say this very emphatically, as long as my local law enforcement feels a need to arm their officers with semi-automatic weapons, I think I should have one as well. And the reason why? Because I might face the same danger. And there's not as good a chance of when a cop does, but I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to face somebody with a semi-automatic weapon and I've got a pea shooter. 
But the idea still at its core is when we have law enforcement that we back, the Biden administration is doing it. Mayor Adams in New York is doing it. We're seeing it across the country that when we have people that back law enforcement, when our leadership backs law enforcement, cities are safer. Mayor Adams just said that a safe city is a prerequisite to success and prosperity, I think is the word he used. And he's absolutely correct. Coming up in a moment, we do a segment every day at 1120. We call it Did You Hear This? And it's happening coming up here in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's find out what the big stories of the day are. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Four U.S. citizens came under fire soon after crossing into Mexico on Friday and then were kidnapped by the gunmen. This is ABC's Jim Ryan with a deeper dive on the situation. Matamoros, just the other side of the bridge from Brownsville on the southern tip of Texas, has been a battleground for Mexico's warring drug cartels. Shootouts between rival groups have become so frequent and deadly that the U.S. consulate issued an alert on Friday, the same day that the four Americans were shot at and abducted. Is this case at the southern border showing a breaking point? Yeah, this is uh, part of what we've been talking about with the cartels. I've gone down the, the comparisons of the 1980s and what was going on in Colombia with the cocaine cartels and and uh, what we're seeing now is right at our back door and we need to really be pay attention to this for two reasons. Obviously, an American national security issue for Americans taken hostage or kidnapped, but also um, a prosperity issue that a, that a stable and prosperous Mexico is good for the United States. It's good for us. It's good for everybody in North America and we need to do more. I think that we're going to have to really take a serious look at how strong those cartels are. You know, they weren't defeated in, in Columbia until George H.W. Bush got serious about it, and I think we need to get serious about it sooner rather than later. There is a growing concern in Iran over the suspected poisonings of hundreds of schoolgirls. A criminal investigation is underway, with officials admitting hundreds of Iranian girls in schools around the country have suffered mild poison attacks since November. Some politicians suspect they may have been targeted by religious extremists attempting to block girls from receiving an education. Is there something that world leaders can do to stop these poisonings? Yeah, you know, the problem is the United Nations is a toothless tiger in a lot of ways, and especially when it comes to Iran. And we know that these issues have happen. Um, and it, it's part of as we watch the world evolve and we watch how the Western world, especially here in the U.S., you look at some of the things that we've been able to do uh, to improve things in relations when it comes to men and women and, and more equality and more equity. Um, and we can be world leaders in that regard. But until the people in that country stand up against that government, and it's going to take a lot of doing, I think this is going to happen for a long, long time. And it's shameful. <laughs> You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. The Conservative Political Action Conference held over the weekend showed a growing divide within the Republican Party over the potential 2024 presidential nominee. While many of the attending members were pro-Trump, some aren't so sure. The other part of the Republican Party is the donor class and a lot of elected officials, and they are skeptical of Trump and willing and eager to look elsewhere. In the end, will the Republican Party be able to rally around one candidate? Yeah, I think they will. I, I think that the Republican Party is just like the Democratic Party and that they 
there is a, you, you are supposed to have a vigorous and spirited debate about how you're going to put up one candidate. And uh, I think there's a track record of President Trump that people like a lot of the things that he did. And there are some other things that people are concerned about. He's going to have an opportunity to convince the American people, I should say Republican voters, as he should, and then let the chips fall where they may. But I think that it's a healthy thing to have a debate process where it gets spirited and it gets heated. I think that's part of the process. But can they come together? And the answer, I think, is yes, they can come together because now they see a direction that we're headed that they don't like. Now they've got a common goal of defeating President Biden, and I think that's going to rally them in the end. A new proposal in Florida would require anyone being paid to blog about Governor DeSantis, cabinet members, or those in the legislature to register with the state or face fines. If approved, you would have to register with the state within five days of writing the publication. Bloggers who don't, they would be fined $25 per article for each day it's late. The bill would not apply to newspapers or similar publications. Is this a violation of the First Amendment? It's it's silly, and I don't know all the details of this. I really don't. I don't know what all the details are. But I do know that any time you are doing this to to stop disinformation, I hate it on the other side of the aisle. I hate all this. I I rail all the time about what's been said about uh, the people, the anti-vax crowd or whatever it is that you demonize people and you because we don't want bad information out there. It's dangerous. Well, you're seeing the same thing over here now. I just think that people have a right to speak. You're not going to get rid of the Internet. I think freedom of speech is a big issue. You have to defeat when people are saying the wrong thing by telling the truth, and if anybody's going to Twitter for medical advice, they're going to the wrong place. So I just think we have to stop trying to silence people and just be better at defeating their argument. All right. Well, good job, Julia, as always. That's his Did You Hear This for Another Day. Uh, Julia, let me tell you, uh, I, I, I said to Julia before we came back from a break, I'm in New York City, and I'm going to be here until Wednesday. I'm doing shows on CNN, so I'm doing my show from a studio at e- at the ABC building, in an ESPN studio. And uh, so I'm doing my show this week, and just like every other studio, there's a control room on the other side of the glass. So I said to Julia, I'm going to tell you a story about what an idiot I am. And she said, no, you're not. And I said, well, wait to hear the story. So Tim is on the board. He's our board op in Phoenix. And every time we're getting ready to come back from a break, he has to turn my microphone on. So he tells me to stand by so that I know my microphone's going to be on, not to say anything stupid that you might hear. And every time this morning that he has said to me, stand by, Mike, I've given the control board or the control room operator, the board op in, at ESPN in New York, the thumbs up. Every single time, Julia, I give him the thumbs up. Uh, that's pretty and funny. Finally, finally, he gave me the thumbs up back. So I, I don't know this guy. I have no idea who he is. I had to walk into the other room to tell him I'm an idiot. And when I told him what happened, he busted out laughing. Now, he didn't agree with me that I was an idiot out loud, but I'm pretty sure he did quietly. So every time you guys tell me stand by, I give thumbs up to the control room here in New York. Tim and I are having a good laugh about this. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I am, I am not equipped for this job. Well, I don't know why they keep me here. I am very unprofessional. But that's what's happened every time. Stand by, Mike. I give a thumbs up to the guy in the other room. That is so good. That has no, he had no idea why I kept doing it. <laughs> well, at least he had a good reason. Well, no, I didn't. No, no, that's a bad reason. No, he can't, you know, the person I'm giving the thumbs up to can't see me. 
Um, you you anyway. had good intentions. <laughs> I did. I did have good intentions. All right. Now that I've confessed my idiocy one more time on the air, uh, coming up in just a few moments, we're going to go back to the economy. Inflation is a real issue. We're going to talk about how it's affecting one local government. And if it's affecting the government this badly, what's it doing to you? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, I appreciate you spending some time with the show. Happy Monday. Um, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the clashes are coming down to what constitutes a cut. Once again in Washington, the argument is going to be about semantics. It's not going to be about anything real. It's all semantical. Um, You have, uh, in the eyes of many Democrats, any change to Medicare, Medicaid, or Social Security that erodes benefits, provides undercurrent, undercurrent law would be considered a cut. Therefore, stands as a non-starter with liberals as Congress seeks ways to rein in deficit spending. Across the aisle, Republicans have long promoted a series of safety net changes, including proposals to hike eligibility ages, reduce benefits for wealthy seniors, or tweak the cost of living adjustment to produce long-term government savings. They say that these are necessary reforms in an effort to shore up the entitlement finances and for the sake of future generations. I read all that because now we understand, I think everybody understands, that it's coming to a head. If you talk to the experts when it comes to finance, when you talk to the experts when it comes to our nation's debt, the vast majority of the Americans' debt comes from the rising costs of Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Um, There are a couple of demographic changes that have happened. That are making this happen. We we know, and I think some of this is good data, but it just is a fact that people are living longer, which means people are drawing from the systems for longer periods of time than they did 30 years ago. But also with that, we are also not reproducing at the rate we were before, which means if you look at a system, look at a pension system, that's the best way to picture it in my mind. You look at a pension system that you have in cities. You look at what Detroit, what happened in Detroit uh, um, years ago because of the crash and then the automobile market went downhill. Um, Detroit went bankrupt because they had so many – Um, So many commitments they had to make when it came to pensions and insurance for retired workers in their city. And they were laying off workers because they didn't have the money to keep those workers there. They weren't getting tax dollars. Properties were being foreclosed on because people couldn't afford them. And then the city was selling those properties. If you just were willing to pay the back taxes, you could have the properties. Well, what we're seeing happen now with Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid is there aren't enough people paying into the system. You know, Phoenix is a growing city. All of our cities are growing cities. So when you have a pension plan in place where you've got more and more people coming in and there's less and less people going out, and then it's okay. But when you see an older police department and they are retiring at a faster rate than you can hire people to replace them, the system becomes in trouble. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And I am not advocating for abolishing any of them are in trouble and any blind eye turn to that is wrong. And when there are people that are putting forth ideas, you may disagree with them. You may disagree with those ideas. But when you start hearing people say, oh, the Republicans want to end this, what the Republicans are trying to do, in my opinion, as a Republican, is save these programs. Because if you don't do something and you leave it, it's going to be broke in just a few years. Absolutely busted. No money left broke. 
So now, if you are an advocate for a tax increase, what does that do to the American economy? What about all of this huge spending that the the American people um, were in favor of because we elected the people that passed it? What next? Even a bigger tax increase? Even more government spending? Another trillion dollars into the federal treasury? These are the, these are the important policy decisions that have to be made. We make politics, and it's always going to be this way. It's partially the way it always is. From your student council elections when you were a little kid to um, – you know, or a high school kid – to our presidential elections and everything in between, it becomes a popularity contest. It just does. Instead of it being about, in other areas, it's about qualifications. Look at successful organizations. This is so angering to me. I look at sports organizations because I love sports and I love the analogies. When you look at the NFL, the NFL is focused on one thing, winning. Bill Belichick is going to go down in history as probably the greatest coach ever. He's not a very likable guy to the media. I'm not saying he's an unlikable guy, but he's a little grumpy. He gives short answers. He doesn't want to talk about much. He mumbles when he talks. It's obvious he doesn't want to be there. He's there for the least amount of time, and he leaves. And you've got other coaches that know how to work a room. Man, they're funny. And they get up there behind the podium, and they crack some jokes, and they laugh with the media, and they they just give a great, you know, um, they're, they're just really good. Bruce Arians, when he coached for the Cardinals, how many times have you seen a head coach where fans come to the stadium dressed like the coach? And that was happening at the Cardinal Stadium. And then he went on to Tampa. My point is just because you're popular doesn't mean you're going to be loved. In the NFL, it's about winning. It's not about a popularity contest. Now, Bruce Arians wasn't a good example because he was an excellent coach and a winning coach. But the idea of being popular because they like you and being qualified for the job are two different things. We continue to elect people in a popularity contest like they're running for the student council. And the longer we do this, the worse off we're going to be. That's just my opinion. And when you look at Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, you look at these programs, they are starving. They are they are going under in a few years. And now the Republicans want to do something about it. The pushback is they're trying to cut and end these programs. No, they're trying to save these programs. What about the next generation? I talked about inflation earlier. Scottsdale factor they they sold you know they sold an idea of bond issues that the voters voted in favor of for about 60 projects around the city of Scottsdale 150 million dollars over budget they don't know what they're going to do why inflation is eating at the cost they factored in 20% for inflation it's almost double that or at least double that so now you're seeing programs that are millions and millions of dollars over budget welcome to the world of inflation for small and big businesses and for individuals and for families this is what we're facing Energy independence is a national security issue. I talked earlier about this. Experts inside the White House warned the White House that you are prioritizing climate change over national security and energy independence. And it's going to come back to bite us. And it's exactly what's happening. And if we don't, and we, you know, everybody can change and learn. If the people in the White House don't learn from these issues and make statements, they're going to lose big. And we all know an election year is not that far away. It's less than two years away. So we know that this is going to be a big deal. 
And it will the White House shift? They they know it in Washington, D.C. and everywhere else where there's elected officials. They live to get reelected. It's not a bad thing. It's survival. Everybody wants to get reelected. But if they don't make the policy changes necessary, they've already started to change their border policies. They're going to start talking about how there's been a huge decrease at the border. I guarantee you that's coming. They're always touting the jobs that have been created, whether or not it's a reasonable thing. But the American people are still starving from this, not from recession, but from the inflation. We'll see. I'm anxious to see if they move away from some of these policies. What we're going to do before we close out the show um, is we are going to talk about the freedom of speech issue. I want you to hear a little bit more about this because it's being attacked from everywhere and it's being called disinformation. You can't believe what you believe because it's not true. It's a lie and it's dangerous. Well, I don't like hearing it from anyone. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Where did it go or where did it disappear to? You know, the old adage that you stand up for what you believe in. You you state what you believe, you stand by what you believe, and you're only as good as your word. Um, there is more stories this time on the Hill.com about uh, Twitter discloses another possible government censorship effort. Uh, there is an attorney general in Washington state that wants a ministry of truth so that they can make sure that what you're doing is telling the truth. We all understand how much of a disaster that is. At least I think most people do. Um, and COVID-19 has been a big part of it, you know, because if you didn't go with whatever the line was from the government and they say, well, we made a mistake. There's new information out there. But you are killing all the other information that disagreed with you. And that's that's never been an American principle. I don't care who you are. Um, and I, I know it's not as serious as COVID-19, but everybody out there has a home remedy for whatever ails you. They just do. Every grandmother, I told this story last week and I got a bunch of messages from people. When I was a kid, the recipe in my family was this, was hot tea with lemon, half a shot of whiskey because you're a little kid, but whiskey to help you sweat it out. You drank that, you bundled up under a blanket and you fell asleep and you sweated like crazy. That was my grandmother's recipe for getting people over the flu or a cold. That's how it was in my family. Was that child abuse? She fed a baby alcohol. I was probably four. I got I got half a shot of whiskey when I was a little kid. What are you going to do? Dig my grandmother up and, and uh, put her in jail? Every family has a recipe for things. There are people out there that I know that are in the medical field, medical doctors, that believe that the vaccines aren't going to work, that the vaccines are horrible things, that uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are the keys to the solution. And they were they were shot down in flames. So uh, uh, Bill Maher had a panel of people on his show. Russell Brand, the comedian, was on there along with an executive from MSNBC and MSNBC was going after, and not unjustifiably, going after Fox News for what is now being told. The scandal that's hitting Fox News is that according to email messages between the hosts and other executives and and the hosts themselves, that behind the scenes, many of them did not believe that the 2020 election was stolen. Many of them were angry that the president was touting this, but they also knew that their audience believed it, so they were giving their audience what they wanted. So they were saying things on the air that they believed that they believed weren't true. Now, I think to me, I don't care who you are, that is the wrong thing to do. I I took the bullets. 
I came on the air and I said a long time ago, I don't think the election was stolen. I don't like the way we did the audit. And I took heat for it. I tried to do it as respectfully as possible, maintain relationships with people. But I'm not going to go on the air and say something that I don't believe. But I want you to hear Russell Brand because he goes after this MSNBC executive about their double standard and the hypocrisy because MSNBC does exactly the same thing. So he's asked about this, about where did we ever go on the air and say something we didn't believe? So listen to Russell Brand's response. The ludicrous, outrageous criticisms of Joe Rogan around ivermectin, re- deliberately referring to it as a horse non- medicine when they know it's an effective non- medicine. Rachel Maddow turning up on the TV saying, if you take this vaccine, you're not going to get it when it hasn't been clinically trialed for transmission. You have to listen. Do you think you can improve America by determinedly and avowedly condemning Fox News without acknowledging that you're participating in the same game? Did you not just listen to Bernie Sanders, <laughs> someone who plainly, legitimately believes in this country and believes it's possible to change, but is bound by corruption, is bound by the lobbying system. Surely it's clear to you, Bill, as one of the great pundits and experts and comic voices, that systemic change is required. Money has to be taken out of politics. We need new political systems that genuinely represent ordinary Americans so that we can overcome cultural differences. So um, there he is touting the virtues of Bernie Sanders. But what is the difference then between MSNBC, the scandal at Fox News and Bernie Sanders? What's the difference? I would tell you that, you know, when Bernie Sanders talks, he believes everything he's saying. There's not a political slant to the things he says. Now, I disagree with everything Bernie Sanders stands for. I think socialism should never, ever rear its ugly head in the U.S. any closer than we are to it right now. I think that it's a bad idea. I think it's a horrible form of government. I think it would be a disaster for the American people. But the people that like honesty, why did Donald Trump win the presidency? Donald Trump won the presidency because he was honest with the American people. Do you remember it was Donald Trump that when he was talked about how he didn't pay his taxes, that thing with Hillary Clinton that was going on. He said, you know what? I, I, I don't pay my taxes because I'm smart. I use the exact same tax breaks, and he pointed at Hillary Clinton, that her supporters use. They're never going to change the tax code because the people that support her use them as well. I play within the rules. If you don't like the rules, change the rules. I mean, he stood up and said, I do what the law allows me to do. That makes me smart. And her supporters do it too. And people believe that he was being honest about how he felt, and that's why Donald Trump remains immensely popular with people. I know there are some that don't like to hear it, but politicians got to stop being politicians, and some of the networks have got to get away from telling the truth. I don't like when I have to tell a true story against my side of the aisle. It pains me to do it. But if you're going to stand there and complain about the other side, to be if you want to be intellectually honest, you got to say it about your side, too, when it's necessary. All right, I'll be on CNN tonight. Uh, in the 8 to 10 hours. I don't know which hour I'll be on. Be on for a full hour today. I'll put it up on social media. I'll be back tomorrow morning starting at around 8 a.m. That's when the show starts or you can catch me tonight. I appreciate you spending part of your day here with me. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.